0: Here we go, rejecting the screen, the going ISO edition as we do every week with all sorts of folks who have touched the NBA. Noah Kozlov out here on the East Coast, out West. Adam Stanko, our guest today, co-creator of Game of Zones, Adam Malamut, who created Game of Zones with his brother Craig, and I was first exposed to them with baseball friends, with Ryan Howard and Chase Utley being a Philly guy. I still have my Howard Utley 06 presidential campaign t-shirt for howard and nutley which never worked out but i guess 10 years later actually that probably would have been a better ticket no matter what they were doing on on the field at that point <laughs> adam joins us to go all over the map we're going to start with game of zones what happened a lot happened i mean <laughs> talk
1: about going all over the map how do i answer what happened with game of zones in terms of it not continuing you mean yeah where to it go oh Uh, it still lives on the internet and, and you can watch it and experience it via a web search. But, uh, as far as where it is going, TBD right now, we're, we're done with that. We're moving on to new things, but, uh, and you can watch all the old episodes and experience all the memes from past seasons. Uh, but for now it is, uh, it's something that we're putting, putting on hold. Uh, we feel we wrapped it up pretty elegantly with the whole Jordan versus, uh, LeBron versus Jordan situation and uh, the whole epic and we did to that season. So maybe it'll come back in the future, but uh, I get a little nervous that if we do bring it back, it'll be like Fuller House or one of these other disappointments, the new Saved by the Bell or something, no one of those new disappointing things, they bring it back. And it's like, oh yeah, this sucks.
2: <laughs> it's it's brilliant. You know, you know what's so funny? Noah and I have never discussed this. We always try to come with an interesting question to start the podcast. And it's probably the worst idea ever that, that the question we always settle on makes guests most uncomfortable out of all the questions that we have. So I'm going to give you one that I think even tops that if you don't yeah. mind. Adam, yeah, let's we'll go. go. I love and it. We can always Restart the record. No, no, no.
1: Let's it's, I, I, I uh-huh. my only request is that they get more and more uncomfortable. And by the end it is like deeply personal unquote <laughs> questions about life and, and, and deep insecurities. So, but let's, let's see what we Fair. got. Let's do it. I like that. I want to be on the hot that. seat here.
2: Confusing. We had, we had we. I love that. We, we asked one time that we asked a question too that just everything went downhill from the very first question. But um, Cherry Hill High, Cherry Hill East High School, you graduate in two thousand one in from in New Jersey for people that that may know. So apparently you're kicked off the newspaper and suspended for drawing an inappropriate cartoon of a commercial art teacher. Uh, that made the principal laugh. And I'm just curious if in detail you could describe what was in said cartoon.
1: Absolutely. Uh, There's no (laughs) non-disclosure signed with Cherry Hill East when you get suspended. Um, So basically what happened was the commercial art, my commercial art teacher in high school was also the art editor of the newspaper. And I did comics for the newspaper. And, you know, and I had done three years of commercial art. And by the end, for some reason, it just, we had, we were, me and the teacher were falling out a little bit. I think it's because like I was going through puberty and had other things on my mind besides like art and school. And uh, maybe wasn't as reaching my potential or as focused or being in a, being a jerk or something that, you know, uh, teenagers are. And I handed in an assignment uh, three days late and he gave me a negative 110 on the assignment. And like, at the time, like I'm trying to get into colleges and stuff like that. So it's hard to recover when a class has three projects in a, in a semester and you get a negative 110 on one of them. It's pretty hard to recover from that. Uh, and, and not only that, this teacher had done some questionable things. He said some like homophobic type things to kids in the class. So like I already didn't like this guy. And, so, and after he gave me the negative 110, he said, now why don't you go do your nine-panel comic strip, which was the next assignment. So I said, okay, I'll go do my nine-panel comic strip. And I sat back down and I drew nine panels of him having anal sex uh and uh also drew him as Tinky Winky, you know, I was it was a commentary on his homophobic comments, you know. And uh and anyway, kids were laughing at my drawings. I threw them in the trash can. He saw this, but didn't say anything at the time. And uh then I got called down to the principal's office. He had pulled them out of the trash can. And this may be much more detail for, for what you need here. But uh but anyway, it's so the the, the 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 prince the vice principal pulled me down and I remember he said he said um so he showed me the drawing, said, you know, I have to suspend you for this. And I was like, what do you, why do you have to suspend me for this? This is art. I'm creating art here. It's subjective. And he's like, well, it's, it's profanity to a teacher. And he like had like this like laminated card of reasons to suspend te- kids. And I'm like, but it's not profanity to a teacher. I never said it to him. I just, I drew it and I threw it in the trash. So it's not to a teacher. And he goes, I can suspend you for whatever I want. And then he suspended me, kicked me off the newspaper, all these things. And the final part of the story, which to me makes it somewhat worth it is when the principal the guy above the vice principal i don't know if anyone needs that explanation of what the vice principal is, but, uh, <laughs> but when the principal um looked at the drawings he was cracking up he's like this is hilarious but uh and I think he didn't like the teacher anyway so uh that was my first foray into into uh truly like shocking slash pushing the envelope cartoons and art uh that I think I gradually maybe got a little crazier in my early twenties and then slowly, slowly got older and, and
0: more, uh, coloring between the lines. By putting it in the trash can in that class, were you deep down hoping that he would pull it out of the trash can and see it? Uh, probably not. <laughs> I mean, so then why put it in
1: that trash? I saw some like studious little Jewish kid in Cherry Hill that like didn't want to get in trouble. Right. So um, why put it in that trash can? Uh, because I didn't know what my I guess I could yeah you are like right, so stupid I don't know so stupid like I I, yeah. I don't really I don't I don't I don't I have a really bad memory to begin with and my memory of high school is like you know God knows so who knows but yes in hindsight it wasn't the best uh, strategic move to like crumple it up in a ball and walk it over to the trash can in front of him and like put drop it in there but I remember he did see that but I just I don't I didn't think he would pull it out I didn't think he had it in him so uh hmm.
0: what was the well, reaction at home?
1: uh what was the reaction so you know my parents weren't thrilled at first but they when i explained to them that like i was standing up for justice because this guy was a, a dickhead um mm-hmm. and gave me a negative 110 for no reason um my mom who you know is my biggest fan and always wants to believe that i'm perfect uh she of course uh took my side and didn't get mad at me uh and then in fact was like you know felt like i had been wronged in some way by being suspended because of the uh the arguments I was making about how I didn't do anything wrong, I threw it out. I didn't say it to him, you know, and uh, and all that stuff. So,
0: I could see the
2: case.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so no, it was it wasn't some like explosive like kick me out. Of, no, it was it was mostly like I just made my case and it was fine. <laughs> I, moved on. I
2: love it. Thank you for sharing the sure. that personal story. That yeah, that I know means a lot to you. I as the three of us all Philly area kids. Noah mentioned to you off mic uh, before we started this podcast that I'll listen to 610 growing up. You sort of had to. I know for me, my listening experience at the time was that my brothers and and I would just prank them a lot. I mean, that was what we, you know, we'd call up. And I remember at one point there was a a referee that had gotten punched out by one of the high school players in, a I think, a public league game or something. And all these people are calling how egregious it is. (laughs) And I mentioned, like, no one talked about how that fight spurred the team to victory. And the guys were like, what is going You know, so that was that's like what the kind of thing we did at the time. What was your 610 WIP listener experience like? Well, so first of all, I probably didn't realize, I probably baked in the, your
1: prank calls into my perception of a Philadelphia sports caller that to this day influences... <laughs> Yeah, uh, cartoon characters are yes. working on and stuff yes. like that, so, uh, like, I know there's one guy, uh, I can't remember the name, it was, like, Chip something, and it was a Joe Conklin character who'd call in and be like, yeah, I'm calling in here for media, yeah, we got the, uh, yeah, I can't believe McNabb, I okay, free McNabb, actually, Lynch Rossi, whatever, uh, but. Conklin,
0: uh, Conklin was the best. Uh, no, the
1: he, best. Great, great. Yeah, yeah, big, Con- he was, he was someone who, like, to me, was uh, was, was an inspiration. But for me, it was it was about, like, back then, you know, you didn't have, like, I had the internet, but the internet was mostly, like, sneaking down to go on my dad's CompuServe to download porn at that time and stuff like that, or, like, going on AIM. Um, but, like, but for me, like, my connection to the world, if I couldn't sleep or something, was, like, listening to Rob Cherry. Uh, who was it? Uh, Paul Jolovich was on Late at mm-hmm. Night, Big Daddy Graham, those guys. And so, like, it was, it was, that, that was, like, my connection to the world, to know that other people were awake right now, and it would make me feel, like, you know, if I was scared in my room, I could listen to that stuff. And uh that was, you know, yeah, probably not pre-high school, probably was high school too, but I want to make it seem like that was when I was really young. Um, <laughs> but uh, but it was just it was nice to have that uh that that on. And then um and then also like when my dad would take me to drive me to school as a kid or something like that, he would have Angelo on in the morning all the time. And it just became such a like a staple of of the of the experience. And I and, and I'm trying to think of what and then there's just and like also listening i don't know for me it just was 610 was always those guys and it was uh it was, it was from Stephen mike to uh to then uh anthony gargano and like all those guys they're just to me like a comfort because they're just like something you could listen to and it was just felt always felt like normal and 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 something about philadelphia guys with accent talking about you know what's going on with the eagles and this and that like it's, it was so foundational to me i actually don't know i'd have to like do a deeper dive to give you interesting insights into how it actually affected me. But for me, it was just comfort food to always listen to, I think.
0: Well, I think that's how I felt too. So I used to to fall asleep every single night to WIP, no matter, no matter what was on game or talk show. And I used to have a clock radio on my nightstand and it, like and it played. Uh, Here comes the sun, which is still my favorite song. But it was like the instrumental of that was the alarm. But every night I would listen to WIP. It was you had to t- tune it. You couldn't. It was it wasn't digital at all. And then for my bar mitzvah, of course, I got a five CD changer, and then I was able to listen to that all night. My brother, uh, the room next to me, would say, "No, it's too loud. Turn it down." He could. He didn't care at all about sports. But I, I would listen to all those guys all the time. And in the mornings, when I'd go to school with my mom in the car. We'd have on Angelo and, and Al and those guys in the morning. She would say, Just promise me, just promise me, you will never be like these people. You will never, you will never be like them. I'll never forget no, one, no time, one time, one <laughs> time. No, come on. One time, Angelo called Hillary Clinton a pig. He called her one Like And yeah, exactly. Like that. I thought you meant like and, a guy
1: talking sports. Oh, I mean, no, meant, uh, no, yeah, no. Yeah.
0: Well, I think there's a difference between a guy talking sports and then angelo Cataldi. yeah 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 uh, yeah. he's a clown and she said these people are disgusting don't you ever ever become someone like that and now i know she listens to everything i i do and um she comments on yeah. all of the things that i that i said she
1: lets you know when you're veering into the angelo zone for the morning show <laughs> yeah zone. i guess so
0: i guess so. Uh, i'll never forget one time anthony gargano said i just got this foreman grill why would anyone need to get married I can cook now. (laughs) I don't know why. I don't know why that just. It was a different time. I mean, the whole thing. I mean,
1: like now, like God, it's today's climate. The stuff they would do with wing bowl and having the wing at girls come on and draw. Oh my God. This stuff is so intensely problematic, but like, yeah, I had no clue then. And it was like very influential. I remember thinking like, I wanted to be like these guys when I grew up because like, this seems like the most fun life. These guys are cool. Like, you know, like back then, like to, to be able to speak, so confidently about sports like that to me was like super cool. And like, it took me a Like it's so, like, to me, like my idea of masculinity was like being able to like, let me tell you something. Okay. First of all, okay. <laughs> that defense stinks. They stink. I'm like, these guys, why how do they notice? You know, like, and, <laughs> yeah. and, and, like, so that was my like sense of masculinity. And then like, and then, you know, like Howard Stern, all these guys, it's, like, so what you're supposed the way to be a man is you talk confidently about sports and you throw baloney at women's tits. and I like I'm like, okay, that's that's what you should be. And then it took me growing up and experiencing the world and going to Emerson College to realize that maybe there's more to being a man and uh, that's not your indeed. mom was right <laughs> indeed
0: did uh, you you mentioned Joe Conklin before, and for those this is very inside baseball for people outside Philadelphia don't know who Conklin is. he was a uh, just a tremendous comedian, and would do all these different voices to a T of all Philadelphia sports yeah. figures to it to a T. His Andy Reed. when Andy Reid would have conversations with himself in the shower, were all timers. Uh, he would do the same with Bobby Clark. How did how did Conklin influence you?
1: Uh, well, yeah, he's like he was like the Frank Caliendo of like the tri-state Perfect. area, right. yeah, and and he did all the accents and to me it was just doing bits and, and seeing how, I mean, again, this is not something I I, I'm going to spin off the top of my head, how he influenced me because I haven't like sat and meditated on like exactly how Joe Conklin has influenced me. (laughs) But, uh, but if I had to guess, uh, you know, we, I do a lot of characters that are based on like Philly accent guys and, and, um, you know, my brother and I are are working on stuff now that has characters like that. And Conklin was the first guy to really show me, you know, like you're getting, you're getting the sports radio stuff very straight in a straightforward manner. And then when you see him spoofing it, I can start to see how the ridiculousness and start to, uh, you know, a little bit. And, uh, but also it was also just that he was funny. And my dad, like one big thing for me is always making my dad laugh. And my dad's a very different personality than me. He's much more straight laced doctor. And, and so like, to me, like I always try to make my dad laugh. It's just something about, he's like my favorite audience. And, and Conklin always made him laugh. So I would just observe how he made my dad laugh. And and a lot of what my brother and I do is stuff that we think will make our dad laugh. But like, keep in mind, the stuff that makes my dad laugh is like when the dog in Problem Child 2 gets frozen and then kicked in the head or stuff like that. So it's not the most sophisticated humor.
2: Uh. Did your dad – I don't like to ask yes or no questions, but did your dad laugh when um, you started the Tumblr bread people mm. and had like bread farf? Um,
1: I think that my dad uh, didn't laugh because he probably uh, – at that time, because he's like, what the hell is my son doing in L.A.? uh right now um but with my dad i remember there's one point of trying to at some point it might have been baseball friends and it might have been bread people where he said to me he's like i don't know what the hell you're doing okay but just keep doing oh no it was after sorry it was those two things included i had made a a music a song that was has since been taken down from youtube called red rocket and it was just a montage of Animal penises with this song Red Rocket over it, and and from that I got a job working on an animal show for Vin Debona pro- project as a like as a writer. And at that point, after Bread People, my the the, the blog of bread puns and photoshops, and uh and baseball friends, other things like that. uh He was just like, I don't know what the hell you're doing, but just keep doing it because it's working for you. I don't even understand anymore. All this stuff seems ridiculous, but you uh, you gotta say it's working for you. So so uh so yeah he he was at that he had at some point he just gave up trying to give me traditional advice because I was going my own way, and it was what started getting me in trouble is was now working for me um I would say so so, yeah, but as far as bread people that was that was crazy because that was like one of those tumblers that just went off and went viral and then like became a whirlwind, and uh you know similar to game of zones in in a way, I just like after you do. Three hundred and fifty or like you know photoshops of celebrities as bread and the puns there, um, it just it's not funny anymore, so and the same it's thing with, with game describing is
2: describing it though, yeah it's funny,
1: just, yeah. it's like it's like, oh my God, like if I sit, sitting there, you just question like what do you do? Like you're like, I got so good at photoshopping people's faces with bread, and it's just at some point, I'm like, I just can't, I just can't do this anymore. Uh, I don't care i don't like i I hit the ceiling. I don't know where I was going at one point. there was almost a book published like a, the guy who published Obama's book reached out from Abram's artist and uh about publishing a book, but it was it was ended up being too much of a challenge because I didn't own the rights to any of the photos or anything but like I just like I'm like, where is this going? I don't know where like this at this point i've I think I've reached the ceiling of bread people um and it's similar with game of zones um much 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 higher ceiling, but it reached the point where I mean, it's certainly less monotonous than, than bread people, but you know, you can only make so many medieval basketball jokes and you're like, I just have to do something else because I'm a mortal person. And I'm, you know, <laughs> at some point this life's going to end and I want to try other things. So I think that's sort of uh sort of tying back to the, the first question, which, what was the first, yeah, first question? Yeah. Yeah. What? Yes. So I do want to so, get back to that first yeah. question. <laughs> we will. We yeah. Will. Yeah.
2: No kidding. <laughs> the, well, I'm, I'm, I'm curious at this time. So, you go to Emerson College and then you talk about you're in L.A. Your dad's telling you keep doing what you're doing. But in your mind, what is what is the dream at that point?
1: Um, for me, the dream was always to do animation, a so cartoon. Um, and that and and for different complicated reasons, like uh, which is when I was younger, I could always draw. like I one thing I knew I was good I was drawing like I just did it really really early like before I could talk I was drawing like pictures that were pretty good so I knew I could draw and then I knew I liked making people laugh and I like to do funny voices and Joe Conklin was an influence there and this and that I like to you know be a different character when I went to the dinner table and make my parents get simultaneously annoyed and laugh (laughs) and and to me the way to put all those things together I also like music I was very good at music but I wasn't I wasn't the best drawer in the class and I wasn't the best musician and I wasn't the funniest person, but I could do a lot of things, jack of all trades. And it seemed to be natural that like all those things should come together in animation. And I did some, like, I did like an animation camp when I was younger. And, but like, other than that and like some couple week classes and stuff like that, I really didn't have any training, but to me, it was always like, I remember when family guy came out and it, to me initially it was like, simpsons on steroids and stuff they were getting away with and stuff like that mm-hmm. was like so i'm like oh my, i was like i wanted to be seth mcfarland at that point and so it, it, and and also you know mike judge trey parker matt stone like these guys did just seem like the people that i was kind of like um mm-hmm. and that's not to say that uh you know my brother and i are as good as them necessarily but those are who we think we are like um and then so and then add on top of it that my brother who is a different brain, but similar, similar and different in, in many ways. Um, you know, we started working together and I think the goal for us was to see how, you know, he complements my brain. I'm like wacky creative all over the place, firing all over. And he is like a, a, a sniper, like laser focused, long-term vision type of person, more of an executive decision maker, a good decision maker. Whereas I'm a more person, I'm more of a person who offers a bunch of ideas to a decision maker um you know when we're our powers combined it's really to see how we just believe that we can do there's a lot of bad cartoons out there and they're on TV and we're like we can do this better than than people on TV and we can compete with the best people in this in this world so um that the goal has always been at least even if we fail to at least have tried to fully take our original characters our animated world our voices that are um, influenced by probably your prank calls and Joe Conklin and the people who called WIP and, and all the voices we grew up and to and just see if we can make a fun animated world that people, uh, people want to
0: watch and uh, maybe learn something from. BetOnline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to place your bets on all sports action. The NBA, a lot of college hoops, NHL in full swing, real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine – Props are a lot of fun. So are the futures. If you look at Damian Lillard, we talked about this a bunch on Tuesday's show. Damian Lillard is plus 2,000 to win the MVP at last check. Plus 2,000. Started the season at plus 1,800. Just doesn't make sense. It's almost too good not to sprinkle a little bit on Damian Lillard at plus 2,000. Also, the Sixers at plus 575 to win the East. Third shortest odds to win the Eastern Conference. I kind of like that. So you can head to the website, or you can use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-ON, on, locked Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. We know that you want your sports news, but we also know that you don't have a whole lot of time, so get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Burkowski hosts a breakdown of the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts, so start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On today wherever you get your podcasts. So which reality shows were you working on when you left Emerson? Okay, so when I when I left
1: Emerson, I was just like, just got to get a job in Hollywood, anything, you know? And um, and the first job, I, actually the first job I got was working on Best Damn Sports Show, period, back when it was... Nice. Um, uh what's his name arnold uh Tim Arnold what's his name Tom Arnold, no, Tom Tom arnold. arnold and yeah. uh
0: and crock and those guys Chris yeah it was
1: uh it was Chris Rose was doing it then yeah um John Sally yeah R- John Sally and Rex not Rex Walters Rex the baseball hudler, Rex Huddler Rex
0: <laughs> Hudler no. I think Rex Walters Rex yeah. Walters previous <laughs> <laughs> guest on rejecting the screen really yeah. really yes. oh yes. my god I remember
1: I remember when the Sixers got him I was like yo this guy this guy's gonna be good he was fine he's better than me um go, go but... back and listen
0: to the going iso edition of rex walters <laughs> <laughs> so oh, great excited. great Iverson stories
1: yeah oh man uh yeah didn't think uh man that's so <laughs> random anyway uh uh but yeah so i was first at uh first at best damn sports show and that was an inter- and I did that internship and that was fine with its own interesting stories uh it got me certainly calibrated to like dealing with celebrities they had like huge names left and right like One day Hulk Hogan's there, then it's Sylvester alone, and I'm just standing around. Like that would help. There's one story. This is a real tangent here, but it has nothing to do with anything you guys talk about. But like, I remember I was leaving the Fox lot, and I see this guy, and I'm like, I know this guy. It's one of my I like just I'm like I know this guy, and I'm like, what's going on, man? We gave each other high fives, like, what's up? We gave each other a little bro hug. It's like, cool, man, good to see you. And We kept walking, I'm like, I know that guy from Emerson, and I'm like, no, I don't. That's Sean from Boy Meets World. I know him from Boy Meets World. I don't know him from real life. but uh, so like that that was a really good acclimation to like dealing and living in dealing with celebrities that was what that was useful for but anyway the question was about reality shows anyway i worked for fox reality channel which doesn't exist anymore um and uh it, i was an administrative assistant so it really not like not the most relevant or interesting stuff but it was like it was Doing stuff like American Idol Extra, which was a show that like wrapped around American Idol. I remember I would go on stage right after American Idol a- ended and like interview. I wouldn't interview Chris Daughtry, but I would like hold the boom. Like I was a PA, and mm-hmm. and uh, so I was around a lot of that stuff. And then there was like they did a show called Battle of the Bods, which seems like something that'd be on the morning show in WIP, uh, and uh, <laughs> and a bunch of like it was just it was a show that repurposed reality shows. Then after 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 working there for a while, I worked on a show called. Uh, reality Binge, which was basically the the soup for reality shows i was that was my first job as a writer um and then after that i worked at a show called world's worst tenants i was a story producer for that which was on spike tv it was about a guy who had like a weird like bald head but like just a ponytail sticking out the way his head was, he was pooping out the back of his head <laughs> and uh, he would kick people out of their houses uh for <laughs> not paying rent or something it was it was really it, it was like a job that didn't exist where he was basically like a guy who like was sent by people who, didn't, like, who owned the buildings who, to kick people who didn't pay rent out of their apartment. It was like, it doesn't exist the job, but anyway, I don't recommend anyone. No one needs to watch that show. <laughs> Just know that I worked <laughs> on it. Um, and, uh, and then I did a bunch of writing and some other things for some kids game shows like family game night. And I, pr- I would produce games for that show. All the while I was teaching myself how to animate and, uh, hmm. and you know, to, to, so I could finally live the, what I thought would be the dream.
0: Yeah. Then how did you land at Kimmel?
1: Okay, yeah. Wow. I really appreciate you guys really do great research. This is awesome. Like, I love it. Uh, It's it's, yes. it's nice to actually answer questions that are like, uh, that are well researched. So thank you. Um, uh, so I landed at Kimmel because uh, a girl that I worked with husband was a TV watcher there. Uh, one of four guys who you would just watch TV and try to find clips. And if you find a funny clip. It's like the stuff that they find stuff for unnecessary censorship and all the other Kimball bits that they, that God. he shows. And I'm like, this is the best job he was leaving the show. And I'm like, Oh my God, this would be awesome. This job. So I, I went there and I was, a, it was basically a, uh, a, a tryout um, where I would be there for. Uh, I, I don't even remember how long I'd be there for, but, um, and I would go and watch it. I would be in this, I was in this bullpen with three other guys and we would watch TV clips. And it's, it was, really miserable for me even though it seems like the dream job but it was like you get paid nothing it was 8 a.m to 8 p.m the guy who produced the 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 opening act was really tough on these guys like you've got to find something and this and that i got all the crappy shows because they like like draft shows like you would fantasy draft players and like i had nothing to watch for clips and then i would get yelled at for not finding anything i don't know if i was being hazed but it was not a pleasant experience and uh and it was there that, and then what happened was, uh, after a long while, uh, they're finally, or like, there, a writer's assistant job had opened up. After a while, I wasn't there for a while, but I, the job had opened up while I was there. And these guys were really excited to get that job. And these guys had been there for years waiting for this opportunity. And then they didn't get the job. And I said, "This is a long line here for me. I'm the fourth guy in line. The other guy left before." He even because he was there wasn't enough opportunity there to, you know, like, I think Kimmel's awesome. and I think that show is cool. And I like all the Cousin sound that whole world. I wanted to be a part of that world. But I'm like, this just might take too long. And that was when, you know, that was all that was a big impetus for me saying, you know, I think that was actually the moment when I said, I'm going to I'm going to walk away from this. I didn't even I don't even know if I would have been offered the job or not. But I said, I'm going to walk away. I'm going to say it's not for me. And I'm going to teach myself how to animate. And and that was literally the moment. That I said I'm going to teach myself how to. I made that was when I, I went back. This is probably so boring to, to listeners, but not I enough. went, I, not I went at back all. to Fox Reality and I got a job from being an administrator. And this time I was doing like web design stuff because I had taught myself some basic Flash and this and that. And that was then, and then I went on to do the other things I talked about. So I was at Kimmel for a brief time, a few weeks, and it showed me that that traditional writing path might take a take a long time, and I and I might have a shortcut. It doesn't mean it was easy. It was was a hard shortcut to teach myself how to animate. But, like, I wanted to use my skills because I felt I could bypass some of the traditional paths.
2: I'm curious with the animation. Did it end up being harder or easier to actually learn when you're doing the online tutorial?
1: I don't remember if it was... I mean, like, it certainly was easier than I remember uh, doing. I'd only had experience with some very light traditional animation. I had done... Uh, summer camp when I was a kid, the animation camp, because my parents knew I was interested in that for four weeks. I did like an animation arts class that was, um, when I was like eight years old, that was like, again, you had to draw everything bouncing balls and all this stuff. Um, and you know, purely traditional animation. And then I'd also done like an NYU summer class thing. Um, and again, that was all traditional. Anim- it was, that, that's just brutal. I mean, it is like, it takes you the whole summer to do like a feather falling down to the ground <laughs> and like, um. And so I, and I started to see flash cartoons and I'm like, this is, this is definitely something I need to figure. Like, and I was watching other people. I'm like, I got to get in on this. And, uh, and so it was much easier because the technology allowed you to do things like without getting into some of the boring technical stuff. Like it's just, it's just much easier. Um, it's still very laborious and hard. And I think much harder than people think. I think people can always underestimate how hard animation is because it's one of those things that looks super fun and intuitive and easy. But you really do have to build everything from scratch. But it, but but Flash and that stuff made it significant. The barrier was significantly easier, especially also if you could, rec- I could record audio on my computer and other things that like. So it was it was the right time to get in, start making stuff on YouTube and that sort of thing.
0: When did you first start making money off animation?
1: The first thing I well, okay, so technically I f- I did some like. St- game graphics some things for like the fox reality website mm-hmm. that were like not that you know like like i did like a, i designed the graphics for a poker game for robin amber from survivor that had this poker get yeah, a poker show on this channel and like <laughs> that was like the first thing i did for money i think was like design robin amber um as uh, in flash but um the first thing i sold was uh for adam tv back in the day and it was a thing called anything does stand up and it was the idea that i did a sample video from myself which was uh it was a hammerhead shark doing stand-up comedy about being a hammerhead shark and i figured that was a good way to combine. you know like i was thinking like what's something that no one else can do like i i didn't i never did stand up i did stand up comedy three times and it stressed me out because like i if i saw if i looked out in the audience and saw one person that looked like they weren't having fun or wanted to beat me up like i would just would throw me off my whole game so this was a way to try stand up but not you know do it my way without doing it live and this and that and um so they bought the show anything does stand up it only it was kind of like a big mess uh and, and it was a of lo- interesting learning experience but i did like one episode they did the hammerhead the one episode about a bed bug and then they wanted to make it topical and so i did a Charlie Sheen episode that like I I've just not like I, to me like I didn't like the topical thing and also like I didn't have a strong opinion Charlie Sheen's a very complicated person and like they they wanted like a really strong opinion about him and I'm like they just rip him and I'm like I don't I don't this is just I don't understand this enough to like have a strong opinion I want to talk hmm. about like cupcakes and uh <laughs> and so uh so so anyway I did that and then it just it just kind of fizzled out and uh and I don't I'm not even sure what happened but uh, exactly. But one thing is like, they had me partner with this. They wanted me to partner with a comedian uh, because they didn't think they thought I was too green and that got complicated. And, uh, and it was just, it was a mess and a learning experience and it lasted like three episodes. But technically that was my first foray into getting paid to make animation.
0: I have so many Game of Zones questions. And this is, this is how our conversations usually go that yes says something and then we just continue to follow up because what you say makes us, want to learn more about it stand-up comedy so you do it you did three times yeah what can you what can you tell us about the very first time and then the last time not as i'm not as interested in the the second one
1: uh man i i so i wrote my little thing it was like in la It was a place called the whiskey bend it was an open mic and like i went with all my little college friends so like i was already like I had an advantage to the other people who were like grinded out stand up comedians trying to do open mics. I came with a little pack of friends who were my little support group and they laughed at right, all my sure. jokes. So, yeah. um, and I did this, I did stand up. I can't even remember. I had one bit about that was a truthful bit about like hermit crabs and how I used to like tape cocktail swords to them and have them joust, but it was a bad experience because once they poke each other, they just never come out of their shells again. That's not <laughs> exactly a joke, that's just actually what happened. Um, and uh, and I did had another thing about how like I was frustrated that. Wasn't that good, but like none of this stuff was good. I was 20, 22 Rules 22 <laughs> on a shit. Um, but uh, but it was another bit about how I was frustrated that birds didn't know that I didn't want to hurt them, that I just wanted to play with them, and why they have to fly away all the time. Uh, I get that. that. Was, you know, and like it's like they should know. Like the kids, kids are gonna. You can't trust kids, but like I am a safe adult, and I just want to be a bird man. <laughs> um, so that That's was another good bit, bit I did. That's <laughs> <a> good <laughs> good. Yeah yeah there you go it's uh finally made big finally out there thank you guys it's finally seeing the light of the day um
0: so you, you, so you 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 don't have those notebooks anymore
1: uh i i probably maybe i don't know i probably dig it up at my parents house or something there is a video of me doing stand-up the first i got I, that exists somewhere but i think it's on one of my old laptops that uh the, the, no one can revive at this point so uh so yeah there's there some record of it but uh that's and then and then the last time was again at the whiskey bed and that was the time there was a guy in the back who just was looking at me like he wanted to kick my ass. And, I'm, and I was just like, oh,
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: that, uh, that was the end of my career, my career as a stand-up. Because uh, clearly, if you, if you, when you listen to comedians talk about stand-up, you need to have a little bit of uh, emotional fortitude. And uh, I didn't quite have that yet. I was just like, OK, I'm done. See, there's this there's theme here, which is that like also with Kimmel and stand-up, like, my key to success has been giving up quickly when things get tough
2: <laughs> and trying something else.
1: So,
2: or anyway. giving up after a massive success, like Bread People. Right. So true. it goes That's either true. way. It's just about giving yeah. up, really. Just, exactly,
1: exactly. <laughs> underrated piece of advice. Uh, yeah, I just believe it's Marcus Aurelius who's uh,
2: wrote a whole book on that. So, yeah, we'll dive into, as Noah says, the uh, the specific Game of Thrones questions. But I'm I'm curious. So that the story goes, you meet with Bennett Spector about you know, you've told this a bunch of times. So anybody that's read an interview about you, of course, this is what they always ask. And you, you know, you go to Bleacher Report and and you're talking about your idea for Game of Zones, which originally is going to be a football thing. And then he says, right. what about the NBA, right? So I'm curious though, if that, if before we get into the actual Game of Zones stuff, if that had fallen apart at that point in your career, like where did you sort of feel like you were in terms of making it out that's- in LA?
1: That's interesting. So it was actually a tough decision to go to Bleach Report. So that that is like it's like an interesting counterfactual that doesn't necessarily have worse results. It might even be like, you know, to me in many ways, I you know, one of the reasons we're always itching to get back out there was, you know, we had um I had a pro we had a project at in Entertainment that was like in queue to go to be a Fox show, but it was just taking forever. It was like in business affairs ether forever and it just couldn't get done. And so, uh, so that I was perpetually waiting for that deal to get done, but you know, it was never quite a priority because we were, I was so new and everything like that. So we'd always, it just never was a priority to get the deal done at the, uh, at the, at the production company. And so, um, so that, that was, that project was sitting there. Um, but still like, we were still waiting for that to get done, but it just, it just, you have to get paid at some point. And so, you know, that was the tough thing about being freelance, was that in, especially in Hollywood? It's a lot of waiting around and hurry up and wait and stuff like that, and a lot of unpredictable. It's very hard to to survive financially when you don't can't predict when the next like it's like you what you can have a windfall or you can have nothing for for six months or a year, um, and so so that's one of the reasons we went to Bleach Report is we were tired of waiting and waiting and waiting for something to maybe happen which is you know and never know if it was going to happen And if it was going to happen it might only be a pilot presentation and that's it so there was that thing with fox we were also there's a show um on comedy central trip tank that did a couple seasons with shadow machine and animation house and that was like a animation variety show and we had had some good meetings with them and they were actually uh going to do we had some ideas that they liked and we were so we were we chose Bleacher Report over doing those things only because Bleacher Report offered us initially, they were a client, but then they offered us to go in house. And for Craig and I, you know, learning how to work together as brothers, it was very stressful, you know, not knowing where the next paycheck was coming. And so for us to be able to go in house, even if it meant committing to sports, which I was more into than my brother, um, it, was, it was worth it for us to be able to learn how to work together, get benefits, get paid a salary, and, you know, that we chose that stability over the you know boomer bust freelance pitching animated stuff world uh, that we're now back into
0: just like game of zones rockauto.com is a family business they've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years you can go there rockauto.com you can shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers and they've got everything you could possibly need just a few easy clicks everything is delivered directly to your door and it's got a remarkably easy to navigate catalog you can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle you can choose the brand specifications and the prices you prefer and those prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low the same for the professionals the do it yourselfers and like we like to say about ourselves the try it yourselfers so what's the point in spending twice as much for the same parts go to rockauto.com right now you can see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there how did you hear about us box so that they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com February's Black History Month in the Locked On Podcast Network is honoring the challenges and success of black men and women in sports with a new series called Locked On Presents More Than the Game. Right now you can hear Candace Cooper of Locked On Tar Heels and Erica Ayala of Locked On Women's Basketball discuss the opportunities and challenges that come with being a black woman in sports subscribe to the locked on presents podcast feed on the radio.com app or wherever you get your podcasts all right so it becomes it becomes a huge success right away so've yeah. got I've got a have got a bunch of questions about the franchise itself
1: sure.
0: which episodes and, and you seem like going all the way back to when you were a kid you like making people feel uncomfortable so which episodes made BR and Turner most uncomfortable?
1: Uh, so the one episode in particular that made everyone uncomfortable, the there's one call episode Bring Out Your Bus, which is wasn't even released uh, as a um it wasn't even released with the season. It was released on the app only because the executives felt it was like just too negative. Uh it was like about the nets and it was based on the bring out your dead, bring out your dead scene in Monty Python. And uh and it was like and the executives were nervous about opening the season with like just a really bum out scene about the Nets uh, at the time, which is definitely not the uh, current Nets, which are a little more interesting. Right. Um, and uh, and so that that scene, which you can see, they were like, uh, that's that. Well, it's not they they weren't thrilled about that, and ended up pushing it to the app. People loved the episode. People loved the episode. We fought hard, but we lost that up. And so that first episode of the season, which was a Golden Summer, which was the Warriors episode about. Um, uh Patrick McCall running up and down the stairs r- reading all the free agent signings. It was supposed to start down in the muds of uh, Brooklyn and then start from the low to the high of, of the Warriors. And there was a nice like symmetry to that. Uh, and then it just became the Golden Summer episode. So that that was one episode um that they were that they they didn't love. I know that uh certain people who own the Knicks weren't thrilled about the uh the Knicks episode we did. <laughs> <laughs> Well, <laughs> um, I won't <laughs> so mention any names. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so they <figure>. don't suck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but Bleacher Board was always good. They, they, they were, there wasn't really anything that um, off the top of my head I could think of that was, they steered us away from. There probably is, if, if Craig was here, he'd probably be able to remind me of something, and I may think of it later. But I can't think of anything that they said, don't, there, there was something, but I can't think of it. It's legitimately, I legitimately can't remember. Uh, but there definitely was something that they're like, mm, mm. oh, I'll tell you what it was. I'll tell you what it was. There was one episode. Oh God, I have to try to explain this. So it's not problematic. I'm going to do my best here. Um, so basically, it was the wizards discover that. And at the time, it was John Wall and Bradley Beale discover that they used to be called the bullets. OK, but in this world, no one knows what bullets are. So they find these things, they think, are guns, which they think are magic wands, and they start going, chow, 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 and they end up, like, shooting Gortad a bunch of times or something like that. It was something along those lines. But basically, they find guns in our world, and, uh, as they learn they used to be called the bullets. And, uh,
0: and they're like, well, let's not. Well, wait, did they say no because of, like, the Javaris Crittenden Gilbert Arenas guns in the locker room?
1: Oh no, there was there was actually an easter egg. We we're going to put had a good easter egg for that. But uh um
0: no, it was because <laughs> of
1: uh not, not, not for the Gilbert Arenas thing, not the Crittenden thing. Um but uh but uh the it was it, I think it was just like the guns and the guns, this, yeah. and everyone was, just, it was it was just a collective like Ehh. um also we did have like a uh we had a, a ch- oh, China. Also, we weren't allowed to go do the China. We wanted to do a um a Daryl Morey thing to open the season i think it was like like the last season actually or the season before and uh and they're like let's let's not let's not do that because you know we have a partnership team it was a very touchy subject for obvious reasons mm-hmm. so we didn't do that but actually yeah like our original um last season one thing we're thinking about was that like it was actually um the chinese basketball league like and all the best all-stars from that are like the antagonists instead of jordan and the dream team back it was actually like jimmer for and like uh, all the dudes over there. Um
2: Marbury. And, yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. The Starbury it's and the, so uh but that uh that plot got nixed.
2: Sixers process episode I think was like one of the most perfect things that that I've ever seen. And I know you have this affinity for, for Sam Hinky. How much truth to what I've heard that you met Hinky at a bar at the Sloan conference?
1: Yeah uh full truth to that um and so like i yeah big big sam hanky i just like i'm very interested in that end of things and like take people taking big swings and trying to like do things that are like like change the way we think about like bending the rules and other things like that's why like people like get frustrated with the way the the rockets played you know for the last few seasons and i was always like interested in that because it was like messing with the game and i think that's stuff interesting and so and i, I
2: like wait a minute say, if you're gonna have a sports take like that by the way adam you got to come with the philly accent if you're gonna make this strong sweeping oh, yeah. sports take, you got to throw the philly accent no but the too.
1: philly accent does not support the rockets philly philly <laughs> yeah, accent says true. yeah that's ridiculous all i do is shoot freaking three pointers they don't play any defense man that's it's ridiculous i don't want to watch that crap so that's what the philly accent so would
2: say it's uh, every one of my friends yeah, back in yeah, yeah, right yeah. James
1: Harden, get out of here! You know, guy's a flopper. Um, so, it's uh, and, yeah, it's, yeah, John, uh, it's it's
0: John Fox. None of you know John Fox, but that, that's my buddy John Fox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That no, that <laughs> I was doing John
1: Fox actually. That was, <laughs> um, that's my John Fox voice. Um, but uh, but uh, I, oh, the process episode. A uh, Sam Hankey. So anyway, we're at the Sloan Conference, and because we had done the video to open up the Sloan Conference. Um, which was and was the Barack Obama little side episode we did because he was the um, the, the keynote speaker. Of course, when we made that episode. Everyone's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna do Philly accent for this too." But like, you're like why you gotta bring politics in? It's like, give me a break. It's, 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 Barack Obama comes in on a horse and rescue Sam Hinkie, and somehow that's like us bringing <laughs> politics. And, um, and uh, anyway, so we we did that, and uh, and at the Sloan Conference, we met. Um, uh kirk Goldsberry, we had dinner with him actually mm-hmm. and he was like come he's like you guys want to come with me to this like after party with all the analytics people and my brother and i were like yeah of course we do <laughs> and uh and uh it's like we don't know oh, it's my stupid joke not having to even have to analyze it but like uh but anyway so we're like yeah let's do it and so we went there and it was like all the analytics guys from all the teams and uh, who are all game of Zones fans? um <laughs> we started to realize you know what a portion of our audience is and uh and and then Sam Hankey was there, and I was like a little drunk and excited, and I just couldn't help telling like i he was so visibly uncomfortable because I was like so. Up in his face, and I was just like, "I just want you to know, you're so great." And it's, it's like I'm such a big fan. of You we will never hurt you. We'll never make fun of you. Like you're safe. You're safe with us. We'll never ever make fun of you. And like, thank you so much for everything you did for the Sixers. And like, you're so. It was like, and he was like, oh, thank you. he was really nice about it. He was like, my brother was, he doesn't really drink, so he was like, he's drunk. He's drunk. He's just a big fan. <laughs> and um, and he was like, thank you, thank you, appreciate it. And he even mentioned how like we hadn't seen the episode. It was clear that he was uh, sensitive. About being made fun of, and he assumed that our thing might have made fun of him, even though I don't think he watched it and uh and so he I think he was a sort of a feeling of like you guys are just gonna make fun of me like everybody does, but like I was trying to assure him in, in a very clumsy and weird and harassing way that we weren't going to do that um and and uh and then he told us how daryl when he when the th- the episode came out like his phone was blowing up left and right it was teaching a Stanford class, and everyone was telling him to watch it but he still hasn't watched it yet. Um, so I don't know if game of zones is his thing, but he's my thing. <laughs> Did oh, you, oh.
0: so during, during the, during the pandemic, there oftentimes I've thought, God, I could have, could have used the game of zones. Does that, does it still run in your head? Like, here's how I, if I were to do one, I would have done this. I would have done this. Um, yeah, I think occasionally, you know, the thing was like a lot of the episodes didn't come
1: that naturally after after the beginning where the the first few we did where it was like you know it'd be fun to make like lebron jamie like very straightforward stuff um it's it's not something that like i watch it takes a lot of mental effort for me to like think okay we got to come up with an episode idea what's going on let's make the connection the connections didn't come that don't come that easily so it's not like i watch a lot of stuff i'm like oh this would make a great this scene like i it's there's no game of thrones to watch anymore and and part of what I wanted to get back was the ability to just watch basketball and not have to constantly be like, oh, God, okay, we got to figure out every like every time something happens, like um, Russell Westbrook says something or it's that everyone's like, oh, man, what's game is good. And I always like, oh, good. It's like we got to figure something for this. And like, I just want to watch Russell Westbrook be Russell Westbrook. And, be, and I don't want to have to like stress out about what I gonna mean, have to have. A, Some sort of how I'm going to match this up with Game of Thrones and also with watching Game of Thrones. It was like that, too. But um, but either way, uh, I definitely it wasn't it wasn't a easy It wasn't like easy decision to walk away from. There's a lot of things I feel like uh, it's not regret. It's just like I feel kind of bad. I feel bad about walking away from something that is so meaningful to a lot of people. Um, as silly as the show is like, it really is something that a lot of people gives a lot of people joy and a lot of people look forward to. And also I, I, sort of, I think it's this guy, Scott Galloway, who says this thing about like, you shouldn't really follow your passions. You should follow your talents. And, you know, we're very fortunate to find something that we can get paid to do. And, uh, you know, is fun, is is fun. And and it, like, it's mostly all of my interests, you know, and, uh, and so there's part of me, it's like, what am I doing? Why am I walking away from this to pursue? It's like, it's sort of like um, hitting on an 18 or a 17, you know, in, in life in some ways. So there's that. And then there's, it, it's, it's kind of sucks to not be a part of like I felt like a part of the NBA and a part, part felt like, I also felt like a part of the NBA, <laughs> yeah. but, um, but uh, uh, I, I felt like there was a community that like, it's fun to be a part of that. It's fun to be in the culture and everything like that. And, um, and so I miss that. Um, but it, and it's also like, I also used to feel like anytime I was watching an NBA game, I was working. So that was nice. Uh, like the, the idea, like I'm going to put on, I have, I'm going to buy a league pass and I'm going to watch a Sixers game. And that is work, uh, because mm-hmm. I will make a basketball. Now I don't make a basketball cartoon. So now when I watch a Sixers game, my, I have to, my wife does, I can't have the excuse that like, I need to do this for work. This is American. right yeah. now.
0: Like just me watching a Sixers game. <laughs> That's <incredible>. Are, are <laughs> there, are there any, lost episodes
1: yeah the there's some um there's some person who's like making like this whole compa- like there's a whole reddit page that like has all the bleach report animated stuff and like he's been like doing like the best of and game is i don't even know how this guy who this guy is or a girl and where they're getting all this stuff but like some of the stuff like lives just on like a live question and answer thing we did uh before to promote the season uh, that the last season that came out, we showed a couple never before seen clips. We do have some animatics. We have one where uh, uh, Mark Cuban shoots, uh, kills his mascots with a um, crossbow that shoots tunics or something like that, and uh, like a Shark Tank style thing. And uh, or he, he shoots with Carlisle, I think, too. And that was fun. We never made that. And we had one really great scene that I thought, we thought was so good. That was if the Celtics would have made it to the finals against the Warriors, uh, that would have been like this. The Brad Stevens getting them all fired up. And then the on the top of the mountain, the Warriors are like talking about where the after party is going to be. And if anyone has any food allergies and everything like that. Um, And uh, and so that scene they never got to do. So there's a lot of good scenes for like hypothetical situations that never, never happened, as well as some stuff that just was left on the cutting room floor because it just didn't quite get over over the hump
2: two moments I want to ask you about first time it, it hits actually TV as opposed to, to digital. Um, What that was like for you and and Craig watching that. And then also what it was like when you guys get on the set of inside the NBA and present them with, with the whole picture and all.
1: Yeah. um, So that stuff like never stops being surreal. And I know it's like a cliche, but like every time like Ernie, mentions like oh game of zones those guys are so funny it's like ah! i like run around like a little kid and just like ah! <laughs> and like, like, like a, and like that like that never gets old to me because uh especially charles barkley growing up you know in philly like it's like like he was like the first like he was like mickey mouse and like you know he was like he's like a bigger than life figure so like and i just i'm a big charles barkley man just so funny and like such an original guy and so like him being a fan of it like is super cool um Wait, what was the first thing you asked me before about going oh, into- the, oh, when being it first on being
2: TV. a TV? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So so the first time it was on TV was was the first episode we did went viral and it was actually on like uh that show with Michelle Beadle uh on ESPN. Uh and that was sports. We oh, worked at ESPN for a little yeah, it was on Sports Nation. Yeah, I worked it's on Sports a- Nation. Yeah. And uh, so I'm gonna. Maybe you had a hand in uh, in getting it on there. So no. thank you. Um, but uh, but that was like super cool. Like that was a freak out moment. Like oh my god, it's on this. It's on here. And uh, and before Game of Zones, Sports Friends. Actually, we heard that um, that one of the episodes we made about Marshawn Lynch uh, meeting Stephen Hauska for the first time uh like the idea was that they never met each other and then yeah. they met on the sideline of a game and he like, like it's like oh hey how you doing he's like i'm the kicker he's like oh cool he's like i'm the running back actually he's like oh yes beast mode guy and like that, that and it turned out that pete carroll actually showed that at a team meeting to oh, talk cool. about how the team needs to get to know each other better or something like that <laughs> <laughs> so like there there had been like a build-up to like these moments of like oh my god like this is this is this is real um and uh and and so like the Michelle Beadle moment was great, and then like all the NBA on T- TNT moments when they show it, um, even when it became like a partnership, like with with a sponsorship that like they 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 had to show it or contractually I think had to show it. It's they're still huge fans. I know that from meeting them, and it was that was continued to be surreal, and also just like the nice Ernie and Charles Barkley are just genuinely wonderful nice people charles barkley was so kind to us um shack was fine i think he was in a mood when we met him that one time but we also did the steam room podcast so like we separately we those guys have just always been so gracious um and kenny kenny was nice too but it seemed like kenny was more interested in making sure that we ha- got him a painting too and we handed the paintings to everyone um, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um and uh it, it, but like when we that whole thing was just crazy because we flew to houston and then that was the first. And then Daryl Morey um, was like, hey, you got, we happened to text him and be like, hey, we we had known him casually by just like so on social just because he was a fan of the thing. And then he asked us, we talked to him on the phone about doing the the thing. We didn't even meet him at Sloan. We we felt like he was like the king of Sloan and we didn't want to bug him. Uh, but then we just happened to text him, and say, hey, we're in Houston for the game. Good luck or whatever. And he's like, oh, come have dinner with me before the this was game 6 again uh, in that series what that ultimately ended with them missing 27 threes in a row or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so we're like oh my god and so like we went to we had dinner with Daryl Morey before this game and then and then at, before the game started he took us downstairs this is right before the game we hear Dan Tony getting all the rockets pumped up in the locker room and then we're in the film room with Daryl Morey and he's showing uh he's putting baseball friends on the TV on the film room because he's like oh I love baseball friends And it was almost like in some ways, like he there's so much pressure, he wanted to just do Mm -hmm. something else before the game, Mm -hmm. nothing. And for us that was a crazy thrill. And then to be whisked around after that, then like we're then like it's like it's like things like when it rains, it pours. And it's like, you know, we spend most of our time in a little edit bay just arguing, me and my brother just arguing about little things and Mm -hmm. fighting about all this stuff. And like a lot of the secret sauce of what makes something good in my view is like this creative friction where you're just, you're just ironing out every wrinkle, you know? Um, And it's, and it's very lonely and laborious in this little room. And then all of a sudden we're like, you know, meeting Daryl Morey and then we're uh, going on TNT. And with TNT, it's like this massive, massive show. And it's not like going on TNT at a, like, you know, at a a Charlotte, you know, Raptors game or something. This is like the Western conference finals afterwards and we're, and we, we go up there and it's just no prep. It's just like, and you're up. And we just went up there and like, and, and they just, we just started talking to those guys and we had no training for it or anything like that. And uh, it was, it was just, it was one of these things like the lights go on, the cameras go on. And then you're just there talking to Shaq and Shaq didn't make it any easier by, uh, you know, sitting next to, he just seemed like he was like, he was, he was, I don't know if he was doing a bit or whatnot, but I, I went up there I was like, Hey, I'm like, hi, Mr. Shaq. And I sat next to him and I'm like, uh, I made some joke about like like our different sizes, which I'm sure he hears all the time, and uh, and I just felt like I was not like hitting the right notes with him, and uh, and so I was like, it's one thing to be intimidated by like any television host, but when it's like Shaq, and it's like a giant guy, and you're sitting next to him, and you feel you feel like a hobbit. Like I mean, my, if you look at that that interview, my brother and I look like hobbits next to these guys, and <laughs> like and and so but luckily it went uh it seemed to go pretty well and people people
0: enjoyed our our interview how would how would daryl have handled the game of zones episode that you wanted to do about the china controversy
1: uh he's fine he's like he's such a dude like he's such a nice normal guy i think he would think it was funny and probably say it privately but never say anything publicly about that um because that uh did that uh Obviously, it didn't go great for him when he did that the other time. Um, but uh, yeah. but I think I think he he definitely would think it's funny. We might have even told him that that we were thinking about doing that. Um, so that's yeah, a shame there. Yeah, that's
0: a shame that thing get made. The one the one yeah. that, that got made the the custom episode for the Warriors in 2015. Watching that, I tried to, I tried to put myself not knowing you or Craig, but trying to put myself in your shoes watching the warriors, cause you can watch it in the, in the split screen, watching the warriors watch the episode Ooh. that you guys made. What was that like? Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, that was like, that was another crazy moment. Um, you know, and, and, you know, to, I remember when Joe, the guy who uh, was executive at Bleacher Report, who like, he's like, Hey, he sent us, forwarded us the video. Like we got the video of the warriors watching it. It was like, Oh my God. And to, to watch like all those guys, watch you doing their voices and doing like, you know, you never know, especially like I find celebrities to be incredibly unpredictable as to how they will react to something. Luckily the NBA, most people have all been cool about this and no one has really had a problem with the stuff we've done. Um, with the exception of, uh, one particular owner of the of knicks and uh and um it won't be named <laughs> yeah, no, I won't yeah as you say me. again and uh and i think we think tj warren subtweeted us once but like for the most part like everybody has been cool with it uh i totally lost my train of thought what, what was i talking about uh, again? The,
0: the custom warriors oh was- yeah the
1: custom warriors sorry so uh so that went like but they were awesome and like the minute like steph curry was like he was like laughing so hard at it and and clay was laughing and steph was like biting his napkin like he chews on his mouthpiece i'm like mm-hmm. uh, like it was like felt he like was like it was cracking up and you and they like the whole team which made me like the whole team so much more the culture there was just so like happy, and it was it was clearly like a reflection of the culture that they were able to laugh at this. and I found that the one thing that makes me cringe though is like we couldn't think of a good joke for Bogut, so we have him just being like, I oh, shrimp on the bobby, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a australian guy, and like there's no joke there. And so he was like, it's when he went to his thing, he was kind of like, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, so uh, yeah, could have done a better job with uh, Bogut's joke.
0: Can, can you tell the Dolan story? um
1: uh i don't know i probably can i mean no okay i can't i can't because i probably can but i have to ask the person first who told me um oh, okay but I, i'll just oh, i'll, 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 I'll yeah. here i'll give you and i'll even do I'll, I'll give you a a very light version of it which is uh basically he complained he wasn't thrilled about it he let adam silver know who let the president of uh All of Turner know, Uh, and so that was another like,
0: "Oh my god, that's so awesome!" (laughs) Like all these
1: people, Um, like to us, that was like pretty cool. Um, And uh, and what we know is that Adam Silver himself, he's like super cool. We thought they they like Game of Zones there, and especially when we did the Mark Tatum stuff with the uh, with the draft, like the 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 league is cool with it. But technically, they work for the owners, and when he complains, they have to like tactically let us know that he wasn't thrilled with it. But everyone else is like, "Eh, "That's just." this particular guy, he's a little fussy. (laughs) Uh, But that's basically the gist of it. Every family has one. Yeah, exactly. He's ours.
2: I I love the, uh, Craig had a quote. He said, one thing we always try to do is take something that's really stupid and do it as seriously as possible. And I I think it's so amazing that 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 plays into so much of the humor that you guys do, especially when it's like a voice that you expect to be one way and then it's played completely differently. And it's just, it's awesome when that, when that hits, is there one time that you can think of when you did something that you were just really worried that somehow maybe after it had been released, like, Oh, I might've offended a a player or, or a coach or something.
1: I felt a little bad about, I felt bad about making fun of um, Nick Stauskas so hard in the one episode, um, a couple episodes. Like, he just seems like the nicest guy. I like I like Nick Stauskas, uh, and so it's like you it feel bad because like a lot of the times the joke is like making fun of the players who, like relative to other NBA players, suck. But like they're like obviously the best players in the world. You know, like uh, mm-hmm. Mario Chalmers, we've made look like a fool a couple of yes. times. Um, <laughs> and like you know, like Mario Chalmers would like obliterate me, <laughs> you know, at a basketball game. Like who was traded for a horse? Um, what's his name? Uh, Mario Hazonia. <laughs> the other mario uh so uh so yeah we he uh that was the one i felt bad about trading him for a horse like and it's like what does he do and it's like he scores. what does what he what does the horse do horse things what does mario do school's uh three points a game i'll take the horse <laughs> so uh that was pretty insulting uh but he was a good sport about it he like posted someone shared it on his facebook wall or something like that and he like thought it was funny or like at least feigned it on 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 facebook So, uh, I um, we went after Mark Cuban. I like Mark Cuban, but we went after him pretty hard. Uh, because at one point he had um, he had been someone at Bleach Report Social posted a Dirk airball with the caption Dirk Forever, and it was like, you know, it was was like, uh, you know, whatever. I I personally like, I I get why, like, who everybody loves Dirk. Why would you make fun of Dirk? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like, who cares? Um, and Mark Cuban like w- was so offended by this and he was like wanted bleacher Report take it down, thought it was tasteless and all that stuff. And um and I don't really have a like I get why he wants to defend his players and like and all that stuff. But at the same time, like I was like we wanted to he went after Bleacher Report pretty hard and so we're like, can we please make fun of him and make and so we made him like super uh we made him uh what's the the woman's name? I can't remember her name. I don't know if you guys the the woman who's in charge of the House of Flowers. I can't Lady Olenna. Lady Olina. Uh and when Nerlins comes to the team and then he threatens to like, if you ever say anything bad about Dirk, basically I'll cut out your ribs. Um <laughs> yeah. and something along those lines. So we, you know, but he took it in stride. He was cool about it. Um everyone's been there's 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 definitely some other ones. I mean the, the next one, uh, we knew we were going in pretty hard there because we were also making fun of uh some uh, we're making fun of uh the uh, the music the band uh, jim james Dolan's band mm-hmm. so like that mm-hmm. was uh probably like i i actually i didn't care To be honest. like i i don't i don't really remember but when we put that one out i'm like yeah he this might piss him off but like that'd be cool if he even sees it so whatever um and also like i didn't care um there's it's it's more the young guys it's it's less so like the powerful owners and stuff like that it's more mm-hmm. like the people i feel bad for are like the borderline players in the nba who end up becoming the bigger butt of the jokes because like that's just like the way our comedy works out is that yeah. like the guys who can't shoot or stink you don't play are the guys to get get you know, get the real cockneyed voice of like oh do not they what you know they kind of become those guys and uh i can't think of any examples at the top of my head though but there definitely was uh, some of those moments, for sure, like like the bring out your bus one, when 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 the um, when the Bleach Report brass was concerned about it, I'm like, oh my god, this is too mean, this is too mean. Craig was like, it's fine, Adam, it's fine. But I'm like, no, I'm like I'm like very reactive like that, and Craig is the stabilizing force who's like, this is fine, um, right? So uh, there definitely were times when I when I was worried about that. I was also worried. This is a little bit of a tangent, but in the um, in the Boston Celtics episode where we did like a two minute death of lucky the mascot um that was one where i thought it was really funny but uh people seemed to like be really bored by that part and, or thought it was like really uh sad and so that was one that was one moment when we were not anticipating a little bit of a pushback and we got some pushback i mean it's like with a two minute long description of a mascot's death
2: <laughs> it's funny when it plays out that way i will say this that it's it like it, it's occurred to me why i I miss it so much. Noah and I have been, you know, on every podcast just ruminating about like the apathy we sort of feel towards sports and the league and college basketball. It's just, it's almost so hard to get into because so much real life stuff has crept in. And I will say, like, I do think that that's the part that I miss is that we all take ourselves too seriously. And in a way, like, it's almost needed now more than ever. And I don't say that to like, I know how difficult like the work that you guys put in. I'm not saying that it, but it is it is remarkable that over time, as I watch it, it it was a great like yin and yang thing for we take ourselves too seriously. We get caught up in analytics. We get caught up in storylines and narratives and getting in arguments with your friends. And then all of a sudden, it's like this game of zones episode comes out, and you're just like, oh yeah, this stuff is hysterical when you really do think about it.
1: So. Yeah, it's like so dumb. The thing about the stuff we all like you get you get like that's the thing. It's like it, I definitely noticed that, and that was something that I had to snap myself out of. You know, it, one of the reasons that it got a little more difficult is as we started to become more um, like absorbed into the NBA culture bubble, you meet more and more people, and you become part of the thing. And so you're no longer like some fan just taking jabs at players. Who cares? They're not going to see. You know, like like you become like starting to know people. Like you know, like Tobias Harris is in the uh, in the office today, and he wants to meet you. And now I've met Tobias Harris, and so now like I have to think about when I make fun of top. You know, all those things. It became harder and harder um, in that way. But I do think that it is one of these things like people sometimes get so serious about the NBA and they say, and it's like, come on, like sometimes you need some of these like reminders that like, mm-hmm. it's like, like one thing is like, yeah, people get so mad at when like, like when like Nate Duncan did the thing about like uh, uh, Anthony Edwards stat line, it's like, it's like people get so offended by that and this and that's like, so who cares? Like, yes, yeah, so it was an awesome dunk and he wants to talk about the stat like, like that's what makes it so fun, like like that everyone sees the NBA differently and like, you know, and like, that's OK. Um, but yeah, it, we definitely are living in a time when things are taken very seriously, although um, and, I, and I but I do think that there is going to be a wave of given how like I think we've just reached a level of in, in society with like everything going on. And, you know, both on a politics front and um, on, a, on a on a global health front where I think that we're people are just going to be craving some like lighthearted levity and silliness and not taking things so seriously. Because, like, I know for one, like, you know, I spent the last four years with under Trump like so, oh, God, what's he going to do next? And it's like, oh, this fucking idiot. Like, and it's, like, it's like in like, I, like it's I, I've been in such a so intense and so tight for so long. And I think we've all been really tight for so long. And I, I think that I, I'm hopeful that a part of this like roaring 20s that people say we might happen once we get about will be like people, everyone just loosening up and laughing together and being silly and being able to make fun of each other again.
0: All right. So then how are you participating in this? What are you going to do for us?
1: Um, uh, so what we're well. It's not up to us. It's up to the executives and the buyers who whether or not they want to let us do this. But, uh, but you know, right now, my brother and I are have a concept that we're working on, and uh, we're partnered with a production company, and we are in the process of preparing it to go uh, pitch to buyers, and you know, with the hopes that we can get at least a shot to you know put a show on whether it's Netflix or HBO or Comedy Central or Hulu, wherever. Um, You know, we felt like we had been hitting home runs in AAA for a long time. Um, and that's not to say like, like I know in many ways our reach is bigger than a lot of these shows, but we always felt like it was sort of a novelty thing. We were playing with characters that weren't us really. Like it was like, you know, it, it's, your video gets a boost when it's like James Harden and LeBron and it's Game of Thrones and all this stuff. So um, for us, we wanted to go into the big open ocean of content and just at least take our swing and see if our techniques and the way we approach content and the things we've learned about animation and the way, you know, like our the everything we do, the the amount of time and effort that we put into this, this the way our craft, can we do? Can we be in the big leagues with the Trey Parker, Matt Stone, those guys that we idolize, the Seth McFarlane's and the uh the Dan Harmon guys and all, all those folks? Um, and the Justin roilands And so so for us, like that's we're working on that now, but it's a very long process. And especially for Craig and I, you know, like, uh, you know, a lot of people when they go out to develop television, they have a lot of irons in the fire and they're pitching and they're left and right. Craig and I aren't like that. We're very, we're very meticulous. And, and so we're very careful. And we, we even like, it takes us like a day to send an email like, that, to agree on an email. <laughs> yes. And so everything takes a long time for us. And even when it's like, we have to write one paragraph character description. Um, and so, you know, Hope that means that like, you know, we got a lot of eggs in one basket. And if this doesn't pan out, we'll have to reevaluate things and maybe there'll be a new game of zones on the horizon at that point. Or maybe Craig will go do something and I'll go do uh something back in sports. Like really, really we don't know yet. But um but for now, like we wanna take this. We had to try this. We had to take our swing. We had to go and um and also like at Bleacher Report, we were in house, you know, um, and we like for us it was they they own basically like they would own the things we make and so uh for us it was just about like finally going out there mm-hmm. and doing our own thing and seeing if sink or swim
0: so w- when you guys parted ways and it seems like it came from you guys saying we, we need to move on have they said if you want to come back and do it again you're welcome
1: no uh really it really was just like it was a It was fine like we said what we wanted to do we we negotiated it was like uh, there was a there was a path forward but uh it didn't quite manifest for us there like you know uh in regards to um working something out with all of hbo and something like that you know um uh it just we, we talked about it but we just couldn't quite get it to work and and our our people were sort of like just it's maybe just time and so um and but it, it ended amiably and amicably or amiably which amicably yeah amicably really. yeah um yeah. what is amiably is that a word
2: it is now a- okay. uh amy
0: amiable is a amiable word. yeah okay yeah, it's a word yeah
1: well it's that also sounds like something that would describe how it ended um so uh <laughs> it something it sounds like a pleasant jovial anyway but it was it was fine uh we just we had we they knew even before the last season, we were like kind of just tapped out. We put so, I mean, people don't, like, we put so much into these things and we have to take like month long vacations afterwards. We don't take, we're working weekends. It just like, we are obsessive. And that's the thing we just wanted to, when we, it was time for us to see if we're going to be working this much on something and be this obsessive. Like we want it to be something that we truly is our original opus is, is, is our characters, our worlds. And so, um, so it, it, as far as like whether or not we'd come back, it just wasn't. It didn't really come up. It was just sort of like, okay, fine, we'll do this last season. And When we finished, it was wonderful. We had a wonderful goodbye. Everyone said, you know, that we had a nice. It was. It was totally fine. Um, but there, there's been so much turnover at Bleach Report anyway that I don't even know if there's continuity with the people we were working with. And so uh, I think we'd have to approach that if we ever wanted to go back to Bleach Report and do. Game of Zones. I think it'd be just a new conversation of like, hey, here we are. We, I, I don't even know who we talk to, quite frankly.
2: So I get it. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Well, that's 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 an awesome answer. I, I know we've taken up so much of your time. I have, I have two questions that I that I have to ask you. So if you don't mind.
1: No, please, anything. Okay. Okay. All right. So,
2: so first of all, I had read that your mom had a burner account to comment on your videos, and I've also read that you and your brother had burner accounts you're using for Reddit. So what does that look like?
1: Um, I don't know that we have Reddit burner accounts. Oh, um, okay. I don't, I, 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 I'm not saying that I don't, I don't know that we do. There may have been something we're referring to. There might've been something we had to create burner accounts for, for Reddit, but I don't, I don't remember that. I'll top of my head. Like, I can't remember that as far as my mom, uh, creating burner accounts yeah she used to like we had to constantly tell her mom like it's fine if people don't like something just let it be uh she would go on her name was like Archie or something like that and she would go on when we doing sports friends on yahoo and like every other comment was archie saying how much archie loved this thing and i'm like <laughs> mom like we know this is you it's obviously you if it's fine like let people like it or not like it like we're not we're we don't like you can't you can't force can, i mean i guess you can like people are there are people who know how to force things on the internet and like really fake stuff and do bots and all the things you know it's like we're just not like that like if it's bad let's let's learn from it you know and it's like trying to fight the internet and pretend it's like like it feels so good when you make something and it actually takes off in the wings of 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 virality and when you're like it's like you can't like come up come up with three accounts and try to make sure that people like it just that stuff doesn't work it's either gonna it either works or it doesn't and uh and so even but even like now like occasionally, I'll see a comment on YouTube that I'm a little suspicious of, and I'll be like, Um, uh, mom, this, uh, <laughs> this group, um, but I think she's learned and at this point. She, uh, she's she's no longer, uh, Kevin, they Durant, don't look like Frankel they don't look White. like
2: hobbits, they're beautiful, yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> the, Maybe on that video, she would comment on, yeah, yeah. The so, the other one, as a, so, Noah and I, of course, is as you know, we've talked about that we'd love to find the things that are like deep there that that are really difficult to research and hoping that you guys haven't been asked about before. And as I was doing the deep dive, one of the things I came across was the Adam Malamut show that's apparently a podcast being done and he interviews sports figures. Yeah. By as he describes himself, one of the most powerful lawyers in South yes. Jersey.
1: Yes. Okay, so this is okay. <laughs> I no longer call my arch nemesis because I finally connected with him on 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 Instagram and I said uh, and like we're cool now. So There is another Adam Malamut from Cherry Hill. Right, yeah. Who I'm not related to, okay? Now, there's only like three Adam Malamuts out there. There's one guy, I think he's like in D.C. and he works in like Marriott HR or something like that um, or something like that. And occasionally he pops up on Google searches because he does like a talk or something like that about whatever he does. But then there is the other Adam Malamut from Cherry Hill who's 10 years older than me. And he is like a very prominent lawyer. Like he's often in the news And I'm always competing with him on Google. And like, I will try, like there was a lot for a long time. Like I have like a ton If you, like image search me, like there's pictures of me with like giant dicks that I drew on, like a hat at like Dick's last resort. And like, then I know this guy's like, like, like every time, like he sees a new picture of me pop up or like some cartoon of like, you know, something ridiculous. Like, like I, I used to draw like a ton of, like, I used to draw a ton of dicks and like on, on, and cartoons. Like I had a Tumblr that was like, something like it was like cartoon penis that Tumblr or something like that. And it was just like, it was just like animals with dicks and stuff like that. And like this poor guy is trying to be a lawyer. And like, every time you search Adam right. Allen, like it's like a picture of him, a picture of his law firm, then like a kitten with a giant boner or something like that. And so I'm sure this guy I've driven this guy nuts, but like he continues to be successful. And now he has a podcast and he does. He like, I see he's, he's like friends with a lot of Eagles players. Like, and he's, he's like in the whole South Jersey, player scene not like you know what i mean like he's, a, he's yeah. a guy who's a successful lawyer and who knows a bunch of people in that whole ecosystem and so uh yeah he, he 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 says we never met he did say on instagram that he would have me on his podcast and i am very i've ne- he's never followed through it seems to not i don't know he's never really been i feel like i'm more obsessed with him than he is of me and that kind of bothers me and hopefully i can discuss I that get with it. him on his podcast but uh yeah, or or a psycho, or a psychologist. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But to me, I just uh, this guy uh, has been like, just like it's very confused. Like he looks, he doesn't like he looks enough like me. Like he looks like I could look in ten years if I made certain decisions in my life. And like, and so the thing is, like, like it's enough like me that people might be confused. Like, is that him? Like, it, and he's from Cherry Hill. And so it's just, it's like this weird, uncanny valley of another Jewish Adam Malamut from Cherry Hill who also has a beard and a bad hairline. And, uh, yeah. I, well,
2: I have to tell you, Adam. I, I literally, as I'm doing the research, and it's getting late into the night. I come across this video podcast, and it's the yeah. Adam Allen Show, and it's as and it's with an Eagles player, and I'm like, right. got to be him. And yeah. then the and then the, and then again, like it starts out with like one of the most powerful lawyers in South Jersey. I'm like, this is definitely a comedy. Like, there's no right. way right. it's like satire. Yeah. And then yeah. I see him, and I think, "Oh, this must be a guy he casts to play someone who kind of looks like <laughs> him." If you like, you described. No, it is not and like was a team. I waiting did. for the joke. Yeah. I just keep listening. Like, where's the joke here? Yeah. And I was convinced you put yeah. this together. He's just like it's
1: from everything I can uh, pick up on. He's just a, a successful lawyer and a really good dad. <laughs> and like, he just seems like like I follow him on everything. He just seems like I want to hate this your... guy. I want. Definitely. I want to hate this guy. Yeah, sorry. I'll, I'll, I can take that again if you want. Uh, no, really no. I'm we're about. Talking about this lawyer. Was, here goes yeah. an ambulance. But uh, yeah, there he is. Um, I don't know if he's that kind of. I actually, don't even. He does think he does murder defense or something like that. I don't know. But either way. No, you I, do know. You no, know, I, I, it's, it's something with criminal. It's, I think it's criminal. You definitely defense. know. It's the. Def- I think it's criminal know. defense. But I, I I'm, yeah. I legitimately am not 100 sure. But it's. I've definitely looked it up eight <laughs> times. Just have a horrible memory. Yeah. Um, but, but the thing is, I want to this guy to be my rival. But every indication is he's like a very legit, really nice dad, really successful lawyer, and he's like a real like uh does a lot of things in the community, and like it's that makes me. Hate him because he's a great guy, and he and like makes me look like the fuck up, Adam alamut And so, so uh
0: yeah, he seems like a great guy. Damn it! Oh. <laughs> Before we ask you the rejecting the screen question, what's what's the timeline on the new project? Um, not not to sound like your mother, but what, what's the yeah, timeline yeah. on the? New yeah, project? like
1: my mom literally texted me on this podcast. Did you hear back? Did you hear back? Did you hear back? You hear back? Um, uh, I don't know. Uh, the timeline really, I have literally no idea. And that's what makes this whole thing so scary is like, yeah. I just bought a house and, uh, you that's know, we have possible. a kitchen we want to redo. And I have no idea if not only do I not know when things are going to happen, but I don't know to what extent. I mean, it, it could be, you know, in this, in this, one of the things, the reason we went to the Bleach Report in the first place is it could be a pilot they want to do, someone wants to do, and that's it. Or it could be a whole series. I mean, I heard you talking to Josiah about this a little, his experience, you know, he spent six years on that show And he was fortunate enough to get two seasons, but like, you just never know. A lot of stuff gets killed at pilot. So really hard to predict. All we can do is literally do like the, the athlete mantra of like, what do we have to get done today? What can we get done today? And just focus on that because it's sort of like the minute you think about what the timeline could look like, it's like a cartoon character looking down after they run off a cliff, you know, and you realize that you're a thousand feet up. So it's sort of like just just do the next thing. And like today we need to write this character up today. we Let's try and write a sample script of, of this idea and see if this works. So um we're kind of focused on like what we have to get done that day, because I really don't know the timeline. There's
0: right, so nothing the reject- locked in. We're still pitching. So the rejecting the screen question is always, who do you choose? a line, need a bucket, reject the screen, go ISO. Who's your guy? Can't say Jordan. And as you might have even met Corey Jez, the, former jazz analytics guy. You might've met him at Sloan because he thought when I said, can't say Jordan, he thought we meant Jordan Clarkson, but you actually, <laughs> you can't say Michael Jordan. Okay. And you can't say any
1: Jordan, any player with the name Jordan. Uh, and no, name. Can't say, um, <laughs> no,
0: can't say, no, can't say any <laughs> Jordan. So with you, we'll go with the caveat of from Sixers players that you watch growing up. Can't be Iverson who you giving the ball okay. to go. ISO, get a bucket.
1: Um. Okay. So obviously, it's gotta be Embiid right now. Okay. And for a long time, it's been Embiid. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I want to go deep, if I want to go like real deep, I might have to go with Aaron McKee. <laughs> um, because I felt like that guy and, and weirdly enough, even, and there's also Eric snow because like, even though his form was horrible and he's more a defensive guy, like he hit a lot of clutch buckets. Weirdly. It was like, yeah, he from didn't the care. elbow. Yeah. Um, and so those guys were going back, going back deep. But with, but right now it's got to be Joel. I mean, like, uh, I uh, 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 will, I do, I am a huge Seth Curry guy. I love having a Curry on our team, and so uh, I would, I'm, I'm very comfortable with him getting a shot at the end of the game. So for some reason it's odd. I for some reason I thought you were going to say Hershey Hawkins. I used to like him just because his name sounded like Hershey Park or Hershey's. stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure, sure. He was like a, he, but I, I was way too young to know. What the heck he was? I'll I will just give this quick little Sixers anecdote that is for no one except deep Philly fans, which is that I remember the hope I had when when we traded Barkley, and I didn't quite understand like you know I just like the, what made him great or anything like that. I just knew he was good. But then we got back like Andrew Yang, uh, not Andrew Yang, Andrew, Andrew Lang, Lang, Tim Perry, yeah, Jeff um, Hornacek. That was yeah. a really You're interesting right. trade. We got Andrew Yang back, and <laughs> then um, but uh, Andrew Lang, Jeff Hornacek, and then Tim Perry, I oh, yeah. think was the other Tim guy, Perry, right? Yeah. Yes. And I thought that Tim, I was a huge Tim Perry fan because I thought his number was 23. and I thought he looked kind of like Michael Jordan and I was <laughs> rooting for that guy. So there's a small part of me that would say, I still believe in Tim Perry. I still believe he's the next Jordan. <laughs> uh, like,
0: Adam, we really do appreciate it, man. This was a whole lot of fun and best of luck with the new venture. And we hope that you can provide some of us, all of us, some, some levity in the future.
1: Yeah. Thank you guys so much for taking an interest and talking to me for the really thoughtful questions. And actually by reaching out and putting me onto your podcast, because I I really legitimately enjoyed listening to it and then started to listen to it, not even for research, just because I was enjoying your guys' thoughtful interviews. And I have no idea if any of the rambling stuff I talked about today is interesting to anyone else in the world, but hopefully you can edit into something magical. So...
0: It was interesting no. to us, so it's standing. If not yeah. just
1: host the Adam Malamut show, <laughs> 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 or get him, get him on, and have him beat me.
0: Yeah, that was a ton of fun. Another one I'd never talked to Adam before, and it was awesome. Awesome. I, I, I needed those laughs.
2: Oh, it really. I don't think I've laughed that hard in a long time. He he's hysterical, and I. I loved, you know, look. I, that's why I appreciate a game of zones. I loved his sense of humor for so long, and just his approach. And you know, also there's always that connection is that we love when it's a Philly area guy. But I, I, I'm going on record saying this was my favorite podcast interview that the two of us have done together, and maybe because he did most of the talking, so that may may help <laughs> may help the cause. But. Yeah, I mean, we've had some great ones in the past, but he was hysterical. And uh, I was just extremely entertained by his career and, and everything he had to say, everything I always wanted to know about Game of Zones, he answered very candidly.
0: I'm rooting for him. I'm rooting for him and his brother to get this next project going because I need some more laughs. We all do. We all need some more laughs. And when you can create those, then you're doing something right in your life. Frank saw, is unable to join us today. We can check us out on Instagram, though, at rejecting underscore the underscore screen. Adam's on Twitter at lives. I'm at Noah Kozlov, C-O-S-L-O-V. Here's what else is going on on the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On NBA, the national show, five days a week. Hollinger and Duncan, John Hollinger, Nate Duncan. Locked On Fantasy Basketball with Josh Lloyd, also a guest on Rejecting the Screen. And Chad Ford, also a guest on Rejecting the Screen. Chad Ford's NBA Big Board, all things NBA Draft. Adam? Thanks, pal.
2: You are the best, and so is the other Adam element.